Thank you guys for coming back to listen to another episode. I'm here with Vanessa. Hi, Vanessa. Hi. How are you? I'm good. Just, you know, taking it one day at a time. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I wanted to talk to you because you and I used to work on the paper together in high school 100 years ago. And now you actually like stuck with it <laughs> like a real journalist. Um, so can you tell us a little bit like what do you do? What do you do for work? What do you do for fun? Yeah, so um, I am a journalist. Um, right now I'm with Men's Health Magazine on the digital team. I write for the digital paper and the print magazine as well. Um, but yeah, I'm originally from Northern Virginia. Uh, moved to New York, and then now I'm down in Atlanta. Um, So journalism is all I do all day (laughs) for fun. um, I like photography. That's kind of like a hobby moving towards side hustle type of thing. Um, I like to, you know, I have a professional camera. I like to go out, take pictures, and then I have like my home studio set up as well. So that's all I do is I write write and take pictures. (laughs) That's awesome. Okay, so, I mean, I kind of know, I guess, how you got started in journalism, but do you want to tell us how you got to the position you're in now? Yeah, so it's actually kind of crazy because it's one of those moments where, like, things just come full circle. So um, since I was, like, 12, I was like, okay, I like to write, you know, something that, like, I said I wanted to do at a young age. Um, When we were in high school, I did join the school's newspaper, and I actually... After that experience, I was like, I'm, I don't want to do that. Um, it was, you know, there were some positive things that came from it, but for the majority of it, like, I felt like, you know, this is not something I wanted to do. So I actually, when I went to college, I had every intention on being a graphic designer. That's just, that's what I wanted to do. I just dropped it. And it wasn't until my junior year of college, um, I took an elective and it was just, you know, a journalism elective and you know just just to fill the course um and I loved it and it like it was when I tell you like it was just like the most basic class but everything just like came back and I realized I wanted to do it so I declared a minor in journalism and then by the time I graduated I was like okay I want to do this I went to grad school um to study journalism since I didn't study it fully in undergrad and then yeah I moved to New York for school, for grad school, and that's how it kind of sort of just happened with the career, um, and things have kind of taken off since then. That's amazing. I So we worked on the paper, and yeah, I, <laughs> so I actually was a journalism major when I started college, and I took the first, like, 101 class for that major, and I dropped the major <laughs> immediately. <laughs> I didn't even finish the class. I was like, no, can't do it. This is not for me. I tried. I think I wrote one article for the newspaper at JMU, and I never actually turned it in, so it never (laughs) got published, and I just gave up on that. But I think it's cool that you're, like, actually doing it, and you're published in a lot of big stuff. Like, you're a big deal. Which is crazy, because 
when I moved to New York, I mean, the reason I wanted to go to school in New York is because everything journalism related is there, mm-hmm. uh, all the big name publications. And that was kind of like my goal, my goal in a way, like, oh, I want to, you know, be published in big name thing. But I didn't really realize how many opportunities are in the city. And like, you know, I got my first real like byline when I was still in school you know, kind of still pretty fresh to journalism. And then from there, it's like, okay, once you get one like good name under your belt, it's like, okay, now you can kind of use that to get into other places. And it's actually come a long way in a short amount of time. Mm -hmm. So you, what was it like living in New York City? Did you love it? Did you hate it? I, I want to say I I loved it until I didn't. So when I moved, I was, that was honestly the most terrifying thing I've ever done. Um, I've never been, I I had never been to New York. I went like once when I was like eight and my family went to Times Square. It was like Times Square and then we dipped. Mm -hmm. But like, I had never been to New York. I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know anything about the subway. I didn't know anybody there. So I was literally just moving blind with nobody. (laughs) So it was kind of terrifying. and I'm not that like outgoing to like, oh, I'll just, I'm not gonna walk up to people and be like, can you be my friend? Like, <laughs> I'm not gonna do that. But so like, it was, it was a hard move, but I loved it. Like when I was there, I loved the city. I loved, you know, the friends I made. Um, you know, there was always something to do and it was just, it was just a completely new environment. I think, you know, that's always refreshing to have, even though it is scary just to um, be in a new situation kind of push myself in different ways. Um, But I did love it until, like I moved um, around this time last year when the pandemic hit and- Dang. uh, I didn't, you know, it wasn't a plan I made. Um, Kind of my dad was like, there's things like, you know, I think this is going crazy. Like, I think it's gonna actually, something's about to happen. He was like, pack a bag as big as you can, you know, fit everything you can fit and just come home. And I came home and I, you know, just thinking like, you know, I'll be here until this thing blows over. And then I stayed until (laughs) my lease ended in New York. Like I didn't even get to, you know, kind of finish being there, but um, I did enjoy it when, you know, while it lasted. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so now you are newly um, in Atlanta. Do you miss DC? Would you ever come back to DC to continue your career? Uh, no. (laughs) 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 Like, I know that's pretty straightforward, but, um, I, I like home. I like, you know, the DMV. I, you know, born and raised, but, um, when it comes to my career, which is why I left, you know, in the first place is just journalism in DC is all, you know, covering politics. It's all covering, you know, the government, it it's not anything that I I have zero interest in any of that um I don't want to write about it I don't even want to get involved in that world of journalism and I feel like those were the majority of the opportunities of course you know there's other things that are happening but the majority of the um, publications in that area that's that's what they're doing yeah that makes sense I feel like that would be draining especially with like you know, the insurrection that happened in January, it, you probably would be like up all hours of the day and night, like having to be covering everything 24 hours. 
the life of a journalist actually seems very exhausting. Do you get like a good work-life balance with your job? Um, I guess I, I would say yes at one point, but since the pandemic, I feel like that's something that I struggle with. Um, like before it's kind of, you know, you go to work, I'm writing all day, you know, head in my computer, you know, interviewing, doing this and that research. And then I leave and I just, I go home, I relax. And now, you know, we, I work from home and it's easy for a journalist to work from home. Um, that's, but I feel like I never stop working. And I feel like one, I'm writing at a slower pace than I was before. And then I just feel like there's never any like, oh, okay, like I'm done working at 5.30. That's just, I feel like I'm working all day. Like, I feel like I wake up earlier than, you know, I'm supposed to be working and then I'm working on the weekends sometimes. And, you know, at night, it's just like, I feel like it's just all meshed. And I know that that's, I mean, a lot of people are going through that, but um, I haven't found anything that's clicking for me for how I can separate the two, but hopefully it comes. <laughs> Yeah. Do you feel like it's an employer's responsibility to kind of help their employees create that divide? Because almost everybody I know is having that same problem because there is no like leaving the office and clocking out. Um, work is all day. Like you can work till 8, 9, 10 p.m. because you have your computer. You're already at home. Home is your office and there's no separation. So do you feel like it's our job to do that or should jobs be letting people know like you're not going to lose your job if you stop working at your normal time? I feel like it's both. Um, like one, you have to know your limits, your boundaries um, and be able to say like, okay, I'm being overworked and this is something I'm doing to myself. But um, when it comes to the employer, I do think it's helpful because right now my boss, he'll, if it's a nice day outside, you know, he'll send a message over Slack and he's like, you know, just everyone just, you know, clock out at two o'clock today. Like, you know, go for a walk. It's nice. Just relax. Like, you know, hey, we're doing, we, we, we're doing really well this, um, this week, you know, just take a breather. Um, and I do appreciate that because sometimes you can say like, okay, I need a break. I want to take a break. I'm going to do this, but you feel guilty or you feel like, you know, uh, if I take a break, it's going to bite me in the butt later. Um, so having that support is, you know, it makes you feel more at ease. And then, you know, you know that like, you're not the only one who's kind of stressed at home sitting, you know, on the couch or at their desk, you know, typing away, staring at a screen all day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think reassurance from employers. I mean, not necessarily, I think my job is a different situation because we're so tiny, but like people who are working for big companies, the big companies could stand to like reassure their employees because jobs are scarce and unemployment is really high and people are afraid that like, if I'm not working all the time, I could be out, especially around our age. A lot of us are still kind of entry level. And I do feel like jobs should say something so that we're not like working ourselves to death. Right. So, okay. I went through your website, which is a very well put together website, by the way. It looks so nice. <laughs> no, I actually, every time I, I look at it, I try not to look at it because then I, you know, I just feel like, okay, I want to fix it and switch it up again. But 
it's okay. I'm glad that somebody liked it. <laughs> yeah, I think it looks great. Um, you have a few interviews with celebrities, like you were talking to celebrities, which is cool. Do you have like a dream interview? Ooh, um, I guess I would say I really want to interview um, Tarashi P. Henson. I love her. Just Me want too. Her, her energy, but um, I really like to cover um, mental health. Um, and she's like really big on that, but she's also, you know, still on the entertainment side. So like, I feel like that's just, she'd be great to talk to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so do you like study specific interviewers or writers? Do you have people whose careers you want to emulate or whose writing style you want to emulate? Not really, because um, I feel like when I when I first started, that's something that I kind of wanted to like, okay, let me find somebody who has this sort of path and let me see if I can do that. Or, you know, they cover one thing. But one thing I've learned about myself is that I don't like to like stick to one thing, um, especially with, um, in terms of like what kind of stories I'm writing. When I was in grad school, I learned that you know, I had professors and professionals tell me like, you know, you have to stick with your beat. You have to cover one thing. And like, I even, you declare um, like your concentration and my concentration was arts and culture and some people's were health and, you know, this and that urban and politics or, you know, there's, there's different things. And I realized that I don't want to like, I don't like being like stuck. Like me right now, I'm kind of like, I jump back and forth between health coverage lifestyle coverage like health and wellness and then you know arts and entertainment culture um and that's kind of what I like to do I don't want to like you know just say stay stuck in one spot so I feel like that's when I try to find people um to emulate and people to kind of I mean of course there's people I want to like you know okay like you're very successful I want to get to a point of success like you mm -hmm. but um not necessarily anyone that I would say you know I like their style of writing or their content and that's what I want to do yeah Just, you know, free balling it right now <laughs> <laughs> I think that's fair you shouldn't have to pigeonhole yourself and I feel like more people our age are choosing to like cast a wide net and I think that's a good thing um okay so is the journalism field a diverse one are there lots of different races ages religions um, yes, but I guess it's, it's something that I feel like it's hard. Hmm. Like, so I'm a part of um, NABJ, and it's a National Association of Black Journalists. And from that, seeing how many people of color, and there are other, you know, associations just like it for people of color, seeing like, you know, the wide variety and the diversity in the field is really refreshing. And it makes me want to say yes, but I've also been in work environments where it's not like that. Um, but I don't know, because like I've I've worked um, on an all black staff when I was at BET, and then you know I've worked for other publications where it's like you know sometimes I'm the only black person, or you know sometimes there's like you know a couple of us. But um, I feel like yes, it's diverse. It's just it depends on the newsroom you're in. The depends on the work environment but um so yeah yeah is the leadership diverse because I've been in places where it's diverse but everybody in charge is white 
Um, yeah, um, I'm sure there are newsrooms like that. I just haven't come across any. Of course, again, like I said, when I was with um, BET, you know, everyone above me was black until you get, you know, high up. But, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so like, I'm sure just I haven't come across it. <laughs> what was the experience like working at BET? I liked it. Um, it was, you know, it was, I would say it's just, it was a learning experience. I, I did love, you know, being in an environment where I just felt comfortable being black, um, you know, being in an environment where, you know, people just understand you. Um, I felt more free to kind of talk to coworkers about things that I want to do in my career and, you know, how to navigate certain situations. Um, but it was also a learning experience in terms of that was the first big name publication that I've been with. Um, so like I was able to see, you know, the different levels, um, you know, the corporation type of thing. Um, and, you know, seeing how that works and kind of, you know, the good and the bad, you know, it was just a learning experience where I was just taking all of that in. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I did enjoy it a lot, um, but it was definitely a learning experience for me. Um, I worked there until last year when the pandemic happened. Hmm. Okay. So do you feel free like at your job now, or I guess besides BET, like other places you've written for, do you feel free to speak about issues related to your race or your gender? Um, I, I do. Um, I feel like content wise, you know, I'm pretty much like told like, you know, hey, we want to cover this, we want to cover that. Um, but there are also times when, you know, that's not necessarily anything that, you know, deals with being a black woman or, you know, just anything of the sort. But there are times where stories like that will be put on the table and I will be the first one to say like, okay, I want to grab that because I know that you white men are not going to do this justice. Um, so being able to do that is, you know, I feel like that's, that's a good experience, but I haven't necessarily been able to just kind of bring those stories to the table. But that also depends on like, right now I'm with men's health, like I, I work with the entertainment team and I work with the health team. So like health stories more so will come up when it involves, you know, being a black woman, you know, stuff like that. I can hop on, but, you know, we're covering entertainment side, we're covering TV shows and movies. Um, it's not necessarily like hearty material and content, um, but I do feel like I have the opportunity more than I assumed I would in the first place um, to kind of, get my voice and talk about those kind of topics yeah I think well I think it's good that you at least feel like you can sometimes I really enjoyed your op-ed about catcalling um <laughs> I thought it was so good and I'm so glad that it got published I mean I don't know like how difficult it would be to get something like that published or if it would be difficult at all but it's good to see like women getting to tell their stories and bring light to serious issues like she got killed because she didn't yeah. respond to a cat call so yeah and that was one of those things where 
I guess, like you said, where I was able, like, are you able to talk about certain things like that? That was a time we did um, a lot of, you know, national breaking news stories, just things that are happening around the country. And that was one of the stories we just covered a short little article about her death. And um, I actually, it was something that, like, that story just bothered me so much. Um, especially me being pretty new to living in New York, where it's, it was, you know, the catcalling was just something, I mean, you know, catcalling girls, you know, they deal with that from a young age. Um, but, you know, I grew up in the suburbs, coming to a city like New York, it escalated to a point where I was just like, wow, like people are really out here doing stuff like this. Um, so when that story happened, it, it, it definitely didn't sit well with me. And I actually asked my boss, I was like, can I do an op-ed? I've never done an op-ed before, but um, I asked her if I could write an op-ed on it. Cause I was like, this is just not okay. Like, you know, women should not feel obligated to respond to a cat call just so I don't get killed walking home. Like right. it's just, that whole thing was just crazy. But um, yeah, I guess that's definitely um, a situation where I was able to, you know, write about something that meant a lot to me. Yeah. And I'm glad your boss was a woman, not that a man would have said no, but it's just good to have somebody who understands it. Like one of the attorneys, I work at a law firm. One of the attorneys was like working late in the office and a man who was on the cleaning staff was basically harassing her and she was in the office by herself. And she was able to get out without any problems, but he was trying to get her phone number, like wouldn't leave her alone. She was in the conference room, like in an enclosed space, just the two of them. And because the whole chain of command was women, the man was fired with no problem. Like no, nobody making excuses. No one like, well, what were you doing to make him want to do that? And I think we need to see more of that. Right. It's, it's definitely refreshing having, you know, hearing positive outcomes from stories like that, but it's just like, that's just not the reality in a lot of circumstances. Yeah. Um, but yeah, got to stick up for each other every now yeah. and then. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So do you think that print journalism will survive this next decade? In 2030, are we still going to be reading printed magazines, newspapers, and things like that? No, unfortunately, <laughs> but me, I love like print, just, I don't know, I, I guess as a journalist, like if my stuff's in print, like I get excited with that more so than, you know, it's online, um, just because everything's online, but it's, I don't think it's going to last. Um, yeah, people are just, everything's online, and especially because of the pandemic, you know, that's the way people are getting their news, they're not, you know, going out, um, yeah, it, it's, I don't think it's going to happen, unfortunately, as much as I would like uh, print journalism to, you know, keep up with the times, but no. Yeah, like, I, it kind of sucks because, I mean, I love books, I read a lot, and I will never, if I don't have to, switch to like ebooks or audiobooks, nothing wrong with them. I just like a hard copy book. Oh, no, I, the concept of, audiobooks it just I can't get on board because it I would get distracted like I I mean I'm I would just tune out and I'm like I'm not reading and I know like my mom she um 
she'll she'll do an audiobook, but she will read along mm-hmm. with like the physical hard copy. Um, and like she's fine with that. But like I the I'm not gonna listen to a book. I'm just if I want to read a book, just read a book. I'm not going to listen to somebody else talk about it because I'll be asleep. Right. And that's what I like about books. Like you have to take the time to focus on the book. I listen to podcasts and things and I like zone out and tune them out all the time. And I feel like a book, I can't, I mean, I don't know. I don't listen to audiobooks, but I feel like you can't mark the pages. You can't go back and refer to your favorite spot because it's right. a tape. But no judgment. If you like audiobooks, that's great. <laughs> reading, I mean, getting your book in somehow is, I guess, better than not reading at all. So if you like to listen, good for you. Um, <laughs> so how important is it for people to be subscribing to, like, doing paid subscriptions to newspapers and magazines so that journalists and all these publications can stay afloat? Yeah, I think, um, I think it's it's important just you know there's a lot of the stories that like if you were to you know click on an article um and you know you don't have to have a paid subscription for it um a lot of that content is just short little snippets you're not getting like you know in-depth details of stories deep dive into stuff you're not so like it's beneficial for you to just kind of you know make sure you're getting everything, you know, how quickly something can turn into something else just by people not reading a full article or even just reading the headline. It's just, yes. we'll take that out of context. Um, so it's beneficial for you to just get, you know, the maximum information. Um, but then, yeah, it does help out journalists and it helps, you know, the field um, and it helps, you know, us have something to talk about and have people interested and of course um, it helps with the you know the publication expanding and keeping on top of stuff okay so how do you feel about the quick spread of misinformation because a lot of people especially probably like gen z and millennials like younger millennials especially aren't subscribing to real publications and they're getting their news from instagram and twitter um <laughs> right. <laughs> Are those people journalists? How do you how do you feel about how everybody's getting their news nowadays? Oh, it's very So I mean, you have your like you know, your paparazzi type, you know, drama-filled publications mm-hmm. and that's, you know, that's that's the purpose of it just to get people talking. Um, you know, if you're writing your article, as long as, you know, it's real information, it's accurate information, I have no problem with it. It's when people spin the truth and it's when, um, you know, the clickbait type stuff, that bothers me. Um, (laughs) But in, in terms of how fast stuff spreads, I hate, like, I, you know, like, you go on Facebook and you'll scroll and people share articles and then they'll, like, add their little comments and their comment will be based on the headline. And I'm like, I know for a fact that you did not click on that link and read the story because you don't even make sense. You don't know what you're talking about. And that's what drives me insane. It's just like, you know, if you wanna know something, like, I mean, if you wanna read the article or share the article, that's one thing, but don't comment on something that you didn't even 
have five seconds to read and know what you're talking about. That's what happens. And then people read their comments and then they'll share it thinking that, you know, since that person read the story, even though they didn't like, you know, I already know what it's about. Like, uh, it just, it, it's crazy and things really escalate. Um, we've seen in so many stories about anything. Yeah, people will just be mad off of something that's nobody ever even said. Right. <laughs> um, okay, so it's funny you say that. I noticed with New York Times and probably other publications that they put how long the article would take to read, like three-minute yeah. read, five-minute read. Do you feel like there's pressure for journalists to make things shorter because people don't want to read like pages and pages of articles anymore? Yeah, and that's that's one thing I realized um, I learned at BET when I was saying how, you know, it was kind of learning how these big publications work. Mm -hmm. um, and it's the same with men's health. There's a certain, like we have, um, I guess the way it's populating, um, we can get the data for how long people are staying on the site. So say you have an article that takes five minutes. So it'll say like the average person spending, you know, one minute and 34 seconds on this page. So, you know, I mean, that also comes with like story structure, you know, people, you know, they want to get, you know, the more, most important information at the top of the article. But um, yeah, people are not <laughs> trying to, to read lengthy things, which is why you usually have um, these quick hit stories where you just, you know, get out what, you know, the main information and then you have follow-up articles that are more in depth for the people who actually want to keep following the story. Um, but those first, you know, breaking news, initial stories, people don't want to, they don't want to read all long, a long time. Do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, it's, it's a bad thing because that, that's also, you know, the same way is you know, reading the headline and just going about, you know, whatever you might think the story's about. Um, you might be missing some really important information because you just wanted to read, you know, the first paragraph of an article. You know, that's not, that's not beneficial for, you know, whoever the story is about. And then, you know, when you share that, you know, it just causes things to just go out of context. Yeah, I think we could be headed, I don't know if we already are headed in a dangerous direction of if people don't want to read anything and they need all, like all their facts in one sentence or a headline basically, and we're not valuing journalism anymore. Do you feel like journalism as a field is undervalued? Yes, and I think more so recently in the past four years because of some people's former president who <laughs> decided to that all of media was evil mm -hmm. um you know there is a lot of mistrust in the field which it's just a matter of you know the same way like you know when you're talking about like oh if you know a doctor does if one doctor does one bad thing it's like you know the bad always outweighs the good so you know if there's one bad publication or one bad article that's, you know, lying and doing all of this stuff, it's just, you know, clickbait, that's going to outweigh all the great journalism that's being done. So I think it's come a long way with 
you know, people just not having it with the media, being disrespectful to the media. And it's like, okay, but if there was no journalism, let me, let me know how that would work out for you. Like, let me know. How would we know anything? Right. <laughs> it's just like, you know, you, yes, there are some, you know, bad apples, but you know, it's so important for people to stay informed, to have people really know what's going on to, you know, the greatest extent of a story. So, yeah. yeah. <sighs> okay. Would you ever want to move into broadcast journalism, like be on screen? <laughs> That's something I contemplated, um, which is unfortunate because I contemplated kind of after I left school. Um, so like from day one, I was like, I don't want to be on camera. I would get too nervous. Like, I, I don't want, I don't like the way my voice sounds like, you know, like Nobody I just, does. I, like, not I your voice. I mean, like their own voice. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like, I mean, I just, I, you know, I said that for the longest time, but then, you know, things happen where, you know, I, I think it was in school where we did this. Um, I was in a, a social journey. Um, it was a social video class and we did a live stream. Um, and I had, I was one of the people that had to talk on the live stream for the, the, the program. And I did that and everyone was like, Vanessa, you did so good. Like you should be, I was like, absolutely not. Like I, I mean, I literally was stress sweating the whole time. Um, so <laughs> I don't think that it's for me, but I, I want to be open to kind of, you know, if something were to lead me to that, I wouldn't mind. So it's like, maybe I can, you know, practice and see how it goes. But like, I, I don't, I don't see me going down that path um, at all. <laughs> like, I, I definitely wouldn't be want to be on TV. Like I might do like, you know, like voiceover type of things for, um, you know, videography, but yeah, nothing like I'm not going to be on your local news station. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's fair enough. Um, okay, so what is the best part of your job and what is the most challenging part of your job? Oh, okay. Um, the best part is interviewing people, hands down. I love interviewing people just because, I mean, one, you're going to talk to a wide variety of people and a wide variety of things and what they're doing. And no matter the topic, like everyone has an interesting story. Like I just really love hearing new stories and, and learning something new, whether it's about that person or it's about what they do. Like um, the other day for work, I interviewed a man who, um, it was a story about pre-workout, the powdered drinks or whatever. Yeah. And he talked forever about pre-workout and I don't care about pre-workout, but <laughs> It was just so interesting just hearing, learning new things about it. Um, and then, you know, just hearing someone talk about themselves. And then, you know, like a week later, I interviewed someone who was a recovering alcoholic and just hearing his story. It's just like, there's always something like, it's so refreshing to learn about other people and just hear new things. Like, you know, it just might be interesting just to listen to, but it's also like, okay, like you could learn from this person or, you know, empathize with this person um, or just, you know, be excited about something they're excited about. Like, that's the best, that's the best part. Um, but most challenging, ooh, deadlines. 
yeah. <laughs> um, not necessarily like, okay, it's hard to, you know, you know, get my articles done and submitted, but more so, I guess it's been more of a challenge since COVID and I'm working at home. It's like, I feel like now I'm a slug. Like I used to pop out stories like easy. And now I feel like, you know, I'm just so slow. You know, I'm like tinkering al along the line of, you know, being late to submitting work. Like, it's just, you know, I feel like it's now it's harder to like really focus in on my work because I'm at home. And so, yeah, just trying to stay on top of things and time management, making those um, commitments because my house is my office at the same time. Yeah, I know what you mean. I do everything slower. Everything that I was doing super fast before COVID, everything slower. Like yeah. you name it, I need like twice as long <laughs> to right. do it. And I love what you said about interviewing. I love interviewing as well. I just think like I didn't watch the Harry and Meghan thing with Oprah because I really don't care about the royals, but <laughs> I heard that Oprah did a really good job with the interview. And it's like an art to be able to converse with somebody and make them feel comfortable, but also get as much as you can out of them, especially with them too, because they have so much like insider information. And I think she and a whole bunch of people are just really good at that. And I wanna work my way to being as good at that at interviewing. Yeah, it, I feel like it's definitely a process, a process I want to, you know, get better at. <laughs> but like seeing, that's one thing I like miss about, you know, pre-COVID is being able to talk to people in person and do interviews in person. It's so much easier to make someone feel comfortable and make someone open up when you're sitting next to them, making eye contact. You know, a lot of my stuff I do over the phone now. Mm -hmm. um, it's not like Zoom or anything. but um, you know, it's just so impressive to see how comfortable you are. And I know there are a lot of like, you know, videos about, you know, techniques and stuff to like get better and how you can make someone, you know, open up more and just, you know, be more expressive by your body language and, you know, how you're addressing them. But um, shout out to them. <laughs> I can't <Yeah>. do it. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite interview you've ever done? I guess in terms of, you know, being comfortable, I'd say um, I interviewed uh, Marlo Hampton from the what? Oh, yeah. um, of Atlanta. And I, I don't, I don't watch reality shows. I don't watch the show. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but, but she was so much fun. Like even after the interview, it, you know, we were just talking about, you know, talking, laughing, you know, it's just like when you're able to like, kind of like feed off of someone's energy and kind of just enjoy yourself, it doesn't feel like an interview. And that makes me, um, you know, as someone who's conducting the interview, it just makes me feel, you know, more at ease. And then it, you know, it just results in a better story, a better conversation. Mm -hmm. It's always good to have a person who's a good talker. Yes. Yeah, you get both ends of the spectrum. 
You get someone who literally will not say a word, <laughs> someone who will not stop talking. Huh. Okay. Can you give us a book recommendation? Yeah. Um, there's a book called Girl, Woman, Other. Um, it's by Bernadine Evaristo. I think somebody recommended that earlier. Not saying that you can't oh, really? recommend like, ah. it. No, you can still say it, but I'm just saying that must mean it's really good. Yeah, no, it's a good, um, she, the author, she's um, like Nigerian and British, um, but it's a story about like 12 women and like 12 different stories. So that's what I like about it. Um, how, you know, you get all these stories. They're all, for the most part, black women. They're all black women in the story. It's just their experience, they're kind of outcasts, their experience with like, you know, race, gender, sexuality, economic status, you know, stuff like that. So, yeah. Cool. Okay. Last question. What is your dream for your life's work? Ooh. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I just want to, when it comes to journals, I just want to do something that's like not kind of fluff stuff that just kind of gets, you know, swept under the rug. I want to really have, even if it's just one piece of work, one article, I want something that really sticks with people. Um, you know, I'm not asking for awards or anything like that. I just want something that like makes people feel something through my writing. Like when I have an interview with someone, um, you know, like I said, you're listening to people's stories, you feel that. I want whoever's reading the story to feel something, whether it's, you know, a lighthearted content or it's really something hearty. Um, because I do um, like to write about mental health. I do think that's kind of something, I wanna write something in that capacity that really sticks. Um, so it's just a, I guess it's just a matter of, you know, getting better with my work to get to that point of how can I make something, you know, in that subject um, kind of stick with people and resonate with people, even if you're not even experiencing those type of things. Mm -hmm. Well, I think you're going to do it. I mean, you're already doing amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's very surreal. Like, sometimes I don't even think, you know, especially considering the fact that I never, there was a point where I was like, yeah, journalism, not for me. Um, it's very surreal seeing like, okay, like maybe I can do this and then getting, you know, motivated from other people. It's like, okay, like, I can do this. Like, I'm still young. Like, I can, mm -hmm. you know, I have time to, you know, get there. Yeah, I believe in you. And I'm so, like, impressed. I mean, I gave up on newspaper stuff, even though you're in a magazine. But you know what I mean? I gave up on journalism. And it's cool to see that, like, you're still doing it. Someone's doing it. And it's doing an amazing job at it. Thanks. And it's so, it's so nice to, like, have someone like you like you you were literally there with me at the beginning <laughs> like you saw like in, you know Hilton High School this little newspaper that nobody read <laughs> nobody read that we almost never published right uh, you know I think our teacher like the teacher who ran the newspaper Miss Mason I don't think she teaches anymore well uh, yeah yeah interesting oh. what was her name miss mason mm -hmm. yeah. 
I don't have any words about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so where can people um, follow you, find your work, and read what you're publishing next? Yeah, so um, I guess Instagram um, at Ness, N-E-S-S dot A-T-N. And then my website is VanessaATN.com, V-A-N-E-S-S-A-E-T-I-E-N-N-E.com. Um, yeah, I, on my website, it's all journalism stuff some of my photography's up there, um, and then contact stuff. Um, and then my Instagram, I don't post pictures that often, but sometimes <laughs> in my story, I publish some of the work that I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. Okay, cool. Well, everybody go follow Vanessa, go to her website and check out what she's already published. Um, and follow this girl. She's going to be a big deal. And you can brag about saying that you knew her one day. <laughs> okay, yeah. thank you Vanessa. I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye.